Uh, let me ask you, is it, is it just me or is it getting harder and harder to watch what's going on in the world around us? I mean, I, I get up in the morning and I'm like scared to look at my newsfeed. And I think about like newspapers. Remember, news, are newspapers still a thing? I don't, I, I mean, if you watch like an old movie, they all, they all have the same thing. The guy walks out on his porch in the morning, right? He's wearing his silk pajamas, yeah? And he's got his coffee and the sun is coming up and his yard is beautiful and the sprinklers, right? Cue the paper boy, right? And here comes Billy on his little Schwinn, yeah? And he's got the saddlebag and it's like, here's the new, here you go, Mr. Wilson, you know, and it lands right by his little slippers. Thanks, Billy, yeah? And I just think, man, if somebody threw a newspaper to me first thing in the morning right now, I would throw it back at him. <laughs> you know, just knock him off his stupid little bike because I just, I don't wanna see that. I don't, I don't, it's just full of shootings. It's just full of perversion. It's just full of war and corruption and rape and terrorism and human trafficking. The new, it's too much. I mean, if you've seen those videos um, from Israel of Hamas killing children, there's just so much just evil in the world, so much just immorality and hate and pride and violence and suffering. Do you ever, I mean, you could be honest, right? Do you ever just ask yourself, if God is in control, why is he letting all this happen in his world? And you know, it's even harder for me sometimes than looking at the news is looking in the mirror. Because if I'm supposed to be a new creation in Christ, filled with his spirit, then I have to ask, what about the evil and the perversion and the immorality and the pride and the hate and the war in me? What, why do I keep failing? Why do I keep struggling? Why do I have to keep suffering? So today we're gonna look at the last part of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, Lead us not into the test, but deliver us from the evil one. Today is about spiritual warfare. Today is about fighting back against Satan. Um, temptations all around us, right? Things that we wanna have, things that we wanna do, things that we wanna be. But the real temptation that we all face, the core of all temptation, is the temptation to separate from God. All temptation comes from this temptation to not love and trust our Father in heaven. All temptation comes from this temptation to believe that we can find our own way, that we can find our own joy, that we can find our own purpose, that we can find our own power, and that we can find our own peace apart from the Father. That's the test. That's the temptation. That's the one that got Adam and Eve, right? So Satan showed them something, something that looked good. He showed them something that sounded good. He showed them something that tasted good. And he convinced them that the Father did not want the best for them, that he did not 
really love them, that he did not have a great plan for them. And he told them that if they would separate from the Father and his kingdom and his provision and his purpose and his presence and his peace, that they could find joy and peace and power and purpose and provision apart from him. And they could decide for themselves what was good and what was evil. And that's really the same test that we face every day now, isn't it? Isn't that really temptation? Isn't that the test for us to say, you know, God says his plans for me are good. And, and he says his way is better. And Jesus talked about this amazing kingdom of God. But this world is pretty messed up. You know, maybe, maybe he's not in control. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he can't be trusted. Maybe he isn't even real. Maybe I'll find my own provision. I'll find my own power. I'll find my own purpose. I'll find my own pleasure. I'll find my own peace. Maybe instead of real intimacy with God and with his family, I'll settle for immoral sex. It's a temptation. Maybe instead of the joy of the relationship with the Father, I'll settle for the rush of getting high or getting drunk or getting rich or getting popular. Maybe instead of trusting and being content in God's provision, I'll just take what I want. It's temptation. Maybe instead of the important purposes that he has for my life, I'll find my value in success or in achievements or in money or in religion. Maybe instead of relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll find my own strength. Maybe instead of following Jesus' model of love and acceptance and unity, I'll just fight and hate and crush anybody that opposes me. And sometimes it's hard to stand up to those temptations because just like in the garden, we have this snake in our ear and he's saying, you don't need God. You don't need his kingdom. I can give you power. I can give you pleasure. I can give you privilege. I can give you prestige. I can give you purpose right here, right now in this world. That's temptation. And I think for a lot of us, what makes it worse is like when we do fail again. You know, do you ever, have you ever had this feeling like, you know what, maybe God is real and maybe his kingdom is real, but as much as I've messed up, maybe I don't belong there. Maybe I don't deserve to be in the kingdom of God. Maybe I'm not supposed to be in the family of God. Sometimes I think it's tempting for us to just, give up and just you know if, if I'm not I'm not gonna make it to heaven I might as well live like hell so how do we how do we stand up to this temptation to give up on God and his amazing kingdom and his amazing life and how do we stand up to this temptation to give up on ourselves when we keep messing up and I'm gonna tell you honestly it's a battle that's spiritual warfare and so today, 
with a lot of help from this great book from Pete Gregg, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, which you should read. Um, we're going to look at four steps to winning this spiritual battle against temptation. And it starts with knowing the story. You got you to gotta know your story. How, how did we get here? So God's plan from the beginning, the first story in the Bible, first book of the Bible, um, tells us that humanity, um, do you guys remember, what was the Hebrew word for humanity? Adam, Adam, it means humanity. And so the Bible tells us that, that humanity, Adam, was created to be, humanity was created to be, how many of you are humans? Most, that's good. You, you were created to be partners with God in ruling his good world. You were created. Humanity, Adam was created to be partners with God in ruling the world. Here it is, it's Genesis 1:27. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed humanity and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and the animals and the land. We were created to be partners with God. And we were created to be fully dependent on God for everything that we need, to, to everything we need to fulfill his purposes and everything we need to have a joyful, fulfilling, amazing life. We were created to be partners with God. We were created to be fully dependent on God. And we were created to be in a real, loving, intimate relationship with God, completely connected to him, in communion with him, closer, closer than your brother or your sister or your spouse or your best friend. Like, we were, we were created to have the type of relationship that Jesus had when he said that he and the Father were one. That's, that's God's plan. That's, that, that's what humans were created to be. And if you're a human, and most of you raised your hand, that's what you were created to be. Yay, God, yeah? But one little snag in the story, um, the snake. Uh, Satan brought evil into the world. And this is important. He couldn't make humanity do anything. I'll say that one more time. Satan couldn't make humanity do anything, but he tempted humanity. He tested humanity, and he convinced humanity that God couldn't be trusted, that man was better off on his own. And humanity bought the lie and chose to separate from God and to find his own power and his own provision and his own purpose. And even though, as a father, it broke God's heart, he, he honored that choice. And for thousands of years, evil and Satan and man trashed God's plan and trashed God's world. But God wouldn't give up on humanity, and he wouldn't give up on his good world. So 2,000 years ago, he sent the Messiah, Jesus to reestablish his kingdom and to recreate humanity. Jesus was the first human to really be 
what humanity was created to be, but couldn't. Jesus was the first real, fully human human. And, and he modeled that humanity for us in his life. And he instructs us towards that humanity through his word. And he empowers us with his spirit to be what we were created to be. We were created to be partners with God, fully dependent on God in this intimate relationship with God. So following Jesus, being a Christian means, depending on his spirit, to empower us to understand his instructions and to follow his model so that we can be the humanity that Adam was supposed to be but couldn't, so that we can live the life we were created for in the kingdom of God, in the presence of God here, now, and forever. How many of you have accepted that invitation to follow the model of Jesus by the power of his word and his spirit? How many have already accepted that invitation? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it amazing to think that, that that Jesus is gonna make us into this new humanity that we were supposed to be in the first place, that he's gonna make us, isn't it amazing? Isn't it cool that God's created this amazing kingdom for us and we're not really qualified for it, so he's qualifying us for it. Isn't that, just, yay, Jesus, yeah. But one little snag, uh, the snake. Did he go away? No, so the second step to winning this battle is to know your enemy, to know Satan. And actually, you know, Satan isn't really a name. Um, Satan is really a title. In fact, grammatically, technically, we should say the Satan because what it really means is the enemy, the adversary, the one that's against us. First um, Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Not just, not just another enemy, a great enemy. He is supernatural. Yeah? In fact, Ephesians 6.12 says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In Ephesians 2, Paul calls Satan the commander of the powers of the unseen world. So here are some hard, cold, biblical facts. Evil is real, and Satan is real. And he's powerful, and he's evil, and he hates you. And he hates everyone that you love. In fact, in John 10, 10, Jesus says that Satan exists to kill and to steal and to destroy. He's very bad. And he's very good at being very bad. Do not underestimate him. Know your enemy. This little red man with the horns and the pitchfork you wish, you wish that's what we were up against. He, evil is alive and well in God's good world. And sometimes it even shows up in us, huh? 
and evil is personified in our great enemy, Satan. And listen, he's relentless. He, he is not, he's not going to just give up and allow this world to become God's kingdom without a fight. And he's not gonna leave us alone to become this new humanity any more than he did the first time around with Adam in the garden. We're, we're gonna have to face the same tests and the same temptations that Adam had. Are we going to trust God and his love and his provision and his purpose and his power and his version of good and evil? Or will we choose separation to turn away from God and to turn away from his kingdom? So the Satan is, is, is so powerful and so evil that it, it kind of it seems like he's winning. Is he winning? It's, it's, it's a hard thing. Like, read the paper, man. You know, look around. Look at yourself. It, it, feels, like, it feels like he's winning. And so this is why it's important for us to really know the story, right? We need to really see what's happening. Not just a little tiny piece of the Bible, but in the, in the, old, the big picture thing of the Bible, it's really important for us to know the story. And that's why I always bring up the circles, my little, my little diagrams. These really help me. So let's, let's just go through this. Let's make sure we understand the story, okay? So the original plan, the original plan was that God's kingdom, God's space, and this world, man's space, would be one space, right? That we would be, God and humanity would be completely together. But when man gave in to temptation, he was separated from God. And God's space and man's space became separated. And Jesus came to, to put them together. Jesus came to reunite God and man, to make God's space and man's space the same space again. And here's how Revelation 21.2 describes the day when that work is finally finished. Um, this is John. He's looking into the future, and he's seeing the day that the circles come back together, right? He says, I, see the holy, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, God's space, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Back to the original plan, right? Back to one solid circle. But right now, the spaces aren't fully together yet. It's like, it's like they're, they're overlapping. They're merging, yeah? They're, they're overlapping. So we're there but we're not yet there. And this is, this is, we talk a lot about this. Right now we live in this weird duality. That's the only word I can come up with. It's, it's, it's like two things are true at the same time. So in Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is already here. It's already among you, right? The kingdom of God is already here. But then in Matthew 6, Jesus says, we should pray that God's kingdom will come soon. So it's already here. His kingdom's already here. It's already here and it's coming, right? It's this weird 
It's just the, circle, the circles are merging. They're, they're overlapping. So out in the world, watch this. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try my little laser pointer. Watch this. Out, like, here's, here's God's world, right? This is God's space. This is our space. You see that we're coming together? Yeah. And so now out in the world, oh, I'm sorry, out in the world, Satan and sin are wreaking havoc, right? It's still happening. It's still happening. But here, right, this is the overlap. This is, this is, where, this is where we live now in this, in this duality of being in God's space and all right, his kingdom is here and yet his kingdom is still coming. And what's really weird is that our new humanity Right? Our Christ-likeness is also a duality because we are new creations, but we're still struggling with sin and death and pain. So at salvation, we become new creations. At salvation, we become a new humanity. And when Jesus comes back, he'll finish that work. And then we won't just be new humans. We'll be perfect. No more failure, no more pain, no more sin, no more struggle, no more tears, no more death. For now, we're, we're new creations in Christ Jesus, and yet we still suffer, and we still struggle with sin, because the new humanity is here now, and it's coming in you. So now we have this weird duality in the world and in us, and the snake is everywhere. He's, he's testing us and he's tempting us. And every battle we have with sin, every battle we have with Satan, every battle we have with self is a temptation. It's a test. Which kingdom do we choose? Which humanity do we want to be part of? These are tests. Are those tests easy. No. Um, Jesus is our model. Did he ever face a temptation or a test? Yeah, I remember he spent 40 days in the desert with no food and no water, tempted by Satan to do just what Adam did, to, 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 to choose sin. All the, all the glory and power and stuff of this world instead of, the God's, instead of God's plan. And Jesus passed the test. Because he just kept saying, no, it is written. No, the scriptures say, no, God's plan is. I, I want his plan. I want to be what he wants me to be. I want to do what he wants me to do. Can you think of another test that Jesus went through? How about Gethsemane, right? How about the day that he was betrayed? He, was, he knew what was coming, man. He could have stopped it. Or... He could trust his father's plan. It was a a test. And Jesus is our model. And we're trying to follow him. And we're trying to become fully like him and fully not like Adam. But Satan's still here. Do you think he's going to just leave us alone to do that? Or, like he did with Adam and like he did with Jesus, will he constantly tempt us? They constantly test us and try to convince us to turn away from God and depend on our own power and find our own purpose. Are those tests easy? 
they're not. In fact, Jesus in Gethsemane said, like, this isn't what I want. I, I, do, I do not want this. I do, I, I, he said, God, if there's any other way, then I do not want this. But nevertheless, I want your will. I want your way. I want your plan. I want your kingdom to come. Ultimately, Father, I trust you. And I yield to your wisdom. I yield to your plan. I yield to your way. And in the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, 13, Jesus gives us permission to say the same thing. To say, Father, we're asking you to lead us not into temptation. We don't, we don't want the test. Temptation is, is hard because we, we know there's a little of the old humanity still in us, right? And we, we don't want to risk failing the test. We don't want to go back to our old humanity. So we pray, please, God, lead us not into temptation. If I'm an addict, please don't lead me to a bar. Right? If, 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 if my old self struggles with porn, please don't leave me alone with my phone. Right? If, if I struggle with hate, please don't let me be provoked. But just like our model, just like Jesus, we say, God, look, I don't want the test. If there's any other way, I don't want this test. But ultimately, I trust you. And if there is a reason that I don't understand for my own good or for the good of humanity or for the good of your kingdom that I have to go through this test, through this temptation, then, you know, your will be done. But please deliver us from the evil one. I don't want to go through the test. I don't want to go through the test. But if I have to go through the test, God, please deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us. That's, this is a Greek word, riame. And so the King James, the New American Standard, NIV, a lot of them translate this to deliver us. And I used to think that was a terrible translation because we don't use that word anymore. But now, uh, since COVID, um, like, yeah, um, we got Amazon, you know, we got DoorDash, we got, what, Instacart. Yeah, delivery means something to us now. It, it, it means I need this stuff here. And I need UPS or FedEx or the Postal Service or a local driver. Somebody needs to get it through to me, right? And, if, and if, it, if it's hot or if it's cold or if it's dark or if it's snowing or if they get a flat tire or their truck breaks down, whatever comes against this delivery, overcome it, right? Get my pizza to me in Jesus' name, <laughs> right? I don't, care what, I don't care what tests come up with the truck breaking down, right? get it through, deliver it, deliver it, right? And Jesus has us praying, God, I don't want my truck to break down, right? I don't, I don't, want, I, I don't want the test, but if Satan is going to be allowed to test me and tempt me and attack me, then please deliver me. See that? Get, get us through to the kingdom. The New Living Translation, it's the Bible that we usually use here, has what I think might be a better, more relatable tra uh, translation of this word, Riyame. It says, please rescue us from the evil one. It's a good translation. 
Because when you look throughout the Bible, the same word, riome, is, is used to describe people being rescued from danger, from fires, from shipwrecks, from persecution, from prison, from death. And Jesus said we should pray that God will rescue us from the evil one because, I mean, this, this world is at war between good and evil. And every day, each one of us faces the test temptation, the battle. And if we're going to win at spiritual warfare, we have to know our enemy. But we also have to know our authority. So Satan is very good at being very bad, and that's bad news for us. But there's worse news for him, because I don't know if you guys have done this, but I skipped ahead. <laughs> like I read the last part, and yeah, we win. I'm just going to tell you, I, and, 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 and he loses. Uh, if you get good and mad at him, check out Revelation 20, man. It's just awesome. He's thrown into a pit of burning fire to be tormented forever. So yeah, he, he, he might be the ruler of this world, but he's not the boss of us. Because just like with Adam, just like with Jesus. He can tempt us. He can test us. He can try to convince us to find the stuff that God offers somewhere else or in ourselves. He can test us. He can tempt us. He can try to convince us, but Satan can't make us do anything. Romans 8 says, we're no under, it's a great verse for your teenagers, you are under no obligation to sin. All right? You may hear it, you may feel it, you may want it. You're under no obligation to sin. You have the power of the Holy Spirit, right? You're under no obligation to do what your body tells you to do or what the world tells you to do or what Satan tells you. You're under no obligation to sin. You have the Holy Spirit. Plus, we have the, we have the instructions of Jesus. You know, we get the model of Jesus. And most importantly, we have the Spirit of Jesus in us to empower us to overcome sin and to overcome Satan. It's like Jesus has given us like permission to win. And, and, and we speak and we live and we win in that permission. We, we speak and we live and we win in the authority of Jesus' name. So you ever, you ever watch it like a superhero movie? Superman, Batman, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> Paw Patrol, anybody? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It, it always gets scary near the end, right? It always gets really dark near the end. It always seems like the bad guys are invincible near the end. But deep down, you know the good guys are gonna win, right? It's in the script. And in our script, in the end, we're fully reunited and reconciled with our Father. And we spend forever with him in his kingdom where there's no death, there's no fear, there's no crying, and there's no darkness. But for right now, we're in this weird duality. And we are not defeated, we are not hopeless, we are not lost, we're found. We're found, we're safe, we're fine. We just haven't been fully delivered. We haven't been fully rescued yet. And in this book I keep talking about, 
Um, Pete Gregg illustrates this with a really great story. I'm gonna read you guys a story. It's just, you probably remember this. Um, June 23rd, 2018, 12 members of a junior soccer team in Northern Thailand decided to explore a cave with their 25-year-old coach. So these kids are like 12 years old. Um, they were deep underground in a cave when a monsoon flooded the cave enter- entrance. Terrified, they huddled in complete darkness three miles inside the cave, wondering whether they would ever feel sunlight on their skin again. Their plight hit the news cycles around the world. More than 900 police officers, 100 divers, and 2,000 soldiers gathered with the world's media at the mouth of the cave, but for nine days, nobody could find the boys. And the world watched, fearing the worst, but hoping for the best as billions of gallons of water was pumped out of the cave. Okay, here it goes. On July 2nd, a diving team managed to get deep into the cave's network of tunnels, crawling and climbing and swimming against the current with zero visibility. After more than six hours, against diminishing odds, they discovered the boys alive, huddled together on a high shelf in a cavern called the Hidden City. So you got the story there? They're, they're submerged, they're underwater, they're lost. And then these people discover them like in a little cavern inside there. So they're cold, they're scared, they're starving. They had no idea how long they'd been lost or how many people were looking and praying for them, but they were saved. And the watching world breathed a sigh of relief and everybody anticipated this imminent happy ending on the following day's news. But how difficult was it gonna be to get these 12 kids out of the cave? So their ordeal was far from over. Getting the boys out was gonna be an arduous, dangerous process with potentially tragic consequences and would take another eight days. So for those watching and praying, the wait seemed like forever. And for those inside, it felt like eternity. But eight days later, the first of the boys was sedated, given oxygen, and slowly brought out of the cave. It was a five-hour journey, much of it underwater, a grueling process that then had to be meticulously repeated for each boy over three days. Having been lost since June 23rd, and found since July 2nd. The last boys were finally rescued on July 10th, more than two weeks after they went in. And the Bible teaches us, and our own experience testify, that we now live in the dark days of hope between July 2nd and July 10th. We've been found, but not yet fully rescued. Our salvation process has undoubtedly begun, and we have great hope, but our captivity and our days of darkness are far from over. We don't know now how many more hours, how many more days we have to hold the line in the dark cave of this life. But Christmas, right? Jesus coming means we've been found. And his resurrection means one day we will be fully free and rescued and delivered from this world of sin and death and from our own failures and sin. Ultimately, we win the war. And Satan knows it. And so until then, Chuck Lowe says, like a wounded and cornered animal, Satan thrashes around desperately with the aim of injuring as many as possible before his own destruction. We're not lost. We're found. We're fine. We're just waiting to be fully rescued. 
So meanwhile, we remember, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We remember, nothing is impossible with God. We remember that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. He's in us to, to empower us, to give us authority over Satan and over temptation and over fear and to win these battles of spiritual warfare. And we can win if we know the story, if we know our enemy, if we know our authority, and if we know how to fight, right? Number four is a big one. We gotta know how to fight. And we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, so we don't fight with flesh and blood, right? I'm just gonna tell you, I have zero confidence in the systems of this world. And I have zero confidence in my ability, and I know most of you, I have zero confidence in your ability, right? I have zero confidence in the ability of any human to stand up to Satan, to stand up to sin, to stand up to these tests, to stand up to temptation on their own. But I have 100% confidence in Father God and his plan and his coming kingdom. I have 100% confidence in what Jesus did to overcome Satan for us and through us. I have 100% confidence in the power of his spirit in us to hold on and to hang on and to win these spiritual battles here in the overlap. So we fight these battles by in, in full faith giving them over to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's dark out there, man. Satan is a powerful enemy. Too big. Too scary for us. But not too big. Not too scary for our Father in heaven. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And then we're going to sing a song together. And this song is to remind us that we don't, you don't fight a supernatural battle in the natural Right? We don't fight this fight on the streets. We don't fight this fight in the field. We fight on our knees. Yeah, we, we lay our fight and our fear and our failure and the darkness of this world at the feet of the cross. And we give them to our Father in heaven. And by the power of his spirit, we win. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing plan you had for us humans. Thank you for this amazing kingdom that you created for us to thrive, uh, where we could, we could, our purpose could be to rule the world with you, to be partners with you. Thank you for this amazing thing that we can depend completely on you for power and purpose, for joy, for everything that we need. We can depend completely on you. Lord, we thank you because you've called us to be your partners. You've called that for us to depend completely on you and you've called us to be in relationship with you, closer to you than a brother or a sister or a friend. But Lord, we see what happened, man. Humanity has chosen not to believe you and to be tempted and tested 
to try to find joy and peace and happiness and purpose in all these other sinful things. So it's a battle. And Lord, right now we stand and we thank you for the authority that we have knowing that we ultimately win this battle. We thank you for the salvation that's coming, for the full deliverance, the full rescue that is coming. And between now and then, as we fight these battles every day, Lord, remember us, remind us that we're not fighting them alone. We're fighting somebody bigger than us, stronger than us, but we're fighting with you, that you're fighting for us. Lord, help us to trust you completely with these tests and with these temptations, with our ultimate deliverance and rescue, and help us to trust you completely in the battles that we face every day. In Jesus' name.